Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. And today we had on a fellow Arizona native, JT Barnett. And every time I get someone from Arizona, I just get super excited about it. Just somebody making the game better, especially from my home state. And so I'm your host, Danny Heath from Project Hockey. And with me as usual is... Pete Cammon from Elevated Hockey. And yeah, I thought it was a great interview. I, you know, I, I follow JT on social media. I, I didn't know about his background as much as I do now, which is awesome. Um, but I love, you know, the one thing that stuck out for me in the interview is, is he touches on uh, mindset and what that went in in his offseason training, what, you know, what some of his NHL level players he's played with, what they, they, do with minds, you know, their, their mindset off the ice. And I, I think there's a few really good takeaways in there that he, he touches on. So I think I'm excited for the listeners to hear that, that part of it. Danny, what, uh, what, what's a good takeaway that you had from this interview that you enjoyed? Yeah. Something that just kind of blew me away was just when he talked about his time, in the WHL and the amount of players that he played with that are now making a lot of money playing a game. And then, um, all the way up to the, the coaches he talked about and what made them special. And it's always nice when your first coach is Bob Francis. And so it's uh, it's pretty cool for for us to hear that story and for our listeners to hear that as well. So it was awesome, and I'm excited to dig into this one. Yeah, me too. I think uh, I think people are going to like this one. He's doing he's an interesting guy doing a lot of interesting things out there in the, in the hockey world. So uh, it's a good one. So if anybody, everybody listening, if you can uh, if you like what you hear, give it a like, give it a subscribe, share it with your friends or teammates, and uh, we'll keep this thing going. Danny, what do you say? Let's go! This interview was brought to you by HockeyWolf.com. Check out HockeyWolf.com for all things hockey. They are a fantastic brick-and-mortar and online retailer. They've got everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. If you love the game of hockey, you got to check out HockeyWolf.com. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, don't forget to check out Hockey Wolf's team sales option on their website. Next time your team needs helmets or gloves, sticks, skates, jerseys, go to HockeyWolf.com. Get everything that you need so that your guys and girls are ready to hit the ice. Go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. Born in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Played five years in the WHL for the Vancouver Giants. Came with Blazers, Everett Silvertips, and Kelowna Rockets. Let's go. Made his pro debut in the East Coast Hockey League for the Ontario Reign. Also played on the Orlando Solar Bears, Stockton Thunder, Atlanta Gladiators before making the jump overseas to play in the KHL for some teams that I am not even going to try to name. Maybe he can jump into that later. Let's go. JT also played pro hockey in France. Currently, JT is the founder of Triple Deke and Reset and is one of the most interesting people in the world. JT Barnett, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Pumped for this. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on, JT. I've been uh, following along on social media for a long time, so it's great to have a chance to connect and uh, dig into a little bit of your career and background. And with that, well, let's just jump into it. You know, Danny touched on a couple of things, but why don't you give us a little background on, on your hockey career? What brings you to today? I was born in Los Angeles. My dad was working as an agent uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, so I spent the first five, six years uh, growing up playing Junior Kings, playing around Los Angeles. And then I ended up moving over to Scottsdale, where I know Danny from. I played uh, Junior Coyotes there. I played... P.F. Chang's hockey over there, and then I was lucky enough 
to get drafted to the WHL. So I got drafted to Vancouver. I went up to Vancouver and played. Uh, I ended up playing in Vancouver for two years, but I played in the WHL for five years, and then uh, and then was lucky enough to go pro from there and play in the East Coast and play over over in Europe for a bit. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. And I, I guess I knew you're. I said you're born in Arizona, but that I mean that's where you grew up, and that's obviously where I know you're from. And um, it's awesome to have you on. So I appreciate anytime anytime we can have someone from the greatest state come on here and and pump the tires a little bit and it's good to hear pf changs i haven't heard that in a while um that was kind of something you and i were a part of for the when it was first around so awesome to have you on but let's let's jump into that decision to go play major junior and you played five years which means you went what a 15 16 year old yeah i went there i believe i was still 15 yeah yeah but i started my first year at 16 but i went up as a 15 year old to like get the experience, make sure I wanted to go there as a 16 year old. And then I started playing at 16. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Something that you wanted, um, you wanted to do and make sure is the right fit. And for those of you listening that don't understand the idea, like if you sign a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you signed a WHL contract, then you can no longer play college hockey. And so what went into that decision for you as far as deciding to go major junior out over college hockey? For me, I think a lot of it was my age. Uh, when I was in high school, I was uh, my age for the year in schooling, I was like a, a little bit young. So if I would have stayed and gone through my whole high school and then got to college, I think I would have gone through already three years of major junior at that point. And so for me, it was like I could get a lot more experience at a younger age than I would if I was staying in Arizona and playing uh, high school and playing midget and then going to USHL or you know another junior league before that in the US before going to college so I think for me it was just like the the exposure but or the the experience at an earlier age you know that's something that that I talk with so some of my players you know I'm, I'm coach here in the west and, and that's a players struggle with that that I that concept of should I go to the major juniors or should I go to the US uh, you know US junior route and keep you know, so I think that's, can you dive into, you know, you, you touched on the experience and what about like looking back, do you think you made the right decision on that? Or do you think that, you know, what, what are some of the things you gained from making the decision to go to major juniors? Yeah, this is something that, uh, that I've had this discussion quite a bit with my mom in the past year because my little brother is, uh, 12 right now and he's in, he plays out of Dallas and just like thinking, would we do it again? Would we, because 15 is a young age, like I'm now being, uh, being older and looking back and being like, wow, I, I literally left home when I was 15, and went and lived with a random family. It's tough on kids. And if they're not ready and they don't really like absolutely want to do it, then I would say it's something to like, it's something to, to consider them staying back. I think it depends. Yeah. I, I don't think it's black and white. I think it's like, it depends on the kid, it depends on the relationship with the sport and then also with their family because I think that some kids are mature enough to be ready for it and then I think there's other kids that it's it really isn't good for them and it can stunt them in a lot of ways so I I think it just depends on I think it depends on a case-by-case basis but for me I think I was ready and I think it was the right decision yeah I mean I think you touched on something pretty important there is is there really is no hard fast rule of of which route to go and it's such an individual decision and I think the maturity of the player is a huge factor more you know even even more so than than 
a lot of the other contributing factors, but figuring out if that, that is the right decision for that, the maturity of that in individual player and their families and, and what those routes go. So I think that's an important right. point you touched on. Um, now, JT, you've, you've had it as you're coming up, whether it's in major juniors or youth hockey, you know, one thing we talk a lot about on this show is, is coaches and the impacts that they have. Can you, can you look back in your career and think of any coaches that really had a significant impact on your path and, and maybe what that, uh, those contributing factors were for, for being a good influence on you? I mean, I would say like growing up in Scottsdale, I had one coach, I had a couple coaches. Uh, I was coached by Bob Francis, who was a Coyotes coach. And then his son was on my team and son was one of my good friends. So I think he really like got uh, my passion for hockey really flourished when I was playing for him. And then another coach in Scottsdale named Brendan Shaw uh, was just a very, a very personable coach, uh, had a good relationship with the players. And so that was another one. But I think like my, I would say my most impactful coach that I had was Ryan Huska when I played in the WHL for Kelowna. That was the best team that I played on in, in, uh, in all of my juniors. We didn't win the Memorial cup. We went, it, we went into playoffs. We had a good run, but, uh, during the season we ended up winning, I believe we won 30 games straight at home we broke a record in the WHL uh, that year. And just the way that he was able to uh, have relationships with each player and care for players uh, made me want to play so much harder for him because it wasn't like, it wasn't like a dictatorship. It was almost like he, you could genuinely feel that he actually cared for the players as people rather than just as another person on the team or another player that was underneath him. So that relationship really helped me want to go out on the ice and play for him more. And in turn, our team was a lot better and we ended up having a really good year. That's something that it's kind of something that we hear over and over again on here is just like the relationships that coaches have is, is bigger than, you know, um, how hard they're working or even what they know at sometimes. But what were some things that he did um, like specifically that you're like, this is like, he does this with our leadership group or, you know, I love the way he did this during practice. Do you, do you have anything that you could you could throw out at us that made him awesome? Uh, I haven't thought about this in a while, but yeah, I remember we had we would have meetings like I would say almost even once a week. Where leadership meetings we had at least once a week, where it was like if you're in the leadership group, you bring in his office. They would just like ask, "How's everything going? How's how do you think?" Because I was 20 when I played for him, they would ask like, "How do you think?" some of these rookies are doing, how do you think their billet situation is? How do you think they're holding up in games? And then we would also do things with the team that he would, that would just make the team like come closer together where you would have a guy go up and talk about present in front of the team, like about his um, and traditions around their house and like, you know, all different like little things that you would, that are seemingly so simple. But like when, when you have that interaction with, the group it just makes everybody like care so much more for each other it makes it more of like a family unit so those those were all things that I still remember to this day and those are still guys that I talk to to this day because I know I knew about their family I knew what they were into and it just goes a long way yeah and so it it, it also probably doesn't hurt I know we've talked a little bit about you just had some some guys on that team that were just absolute ball players and so I mean you've had the opportunity to play with guys on that team and then just numbers of players that have reached higher levels including the NHL and what, what are some things that those players did, if any, that, that stood out that really helped them kind of get set apart? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to play with uh, a handful of guys that played in the NHL. Uh, obviously, like Brendan Gallagher is probably one of the 
highest or most uh, known guys that I played with. His work ethic was ridiculous. Uh, just the way that he would show up to every practice, every game, every off ice session. Like the kid was just the the amount of, that he poured into the game. I mean, that's where he, that's why he is where he is today. But just his work ethic was unparalleled. Uh, when I was on Kelowna, I played with Madison Bowie, who's on Detroit right now, Damon Severson, who's on New Jersey right now, um, Dylan Dubay, who's on Calgary right now, and all of these guys. I think something that, that all three of them really knew was they had the self-awareness to know what they were good at and what they weren't good at and to really practice uh, building on their strengths and, and identifying what that, how that plays into the team. Uh, they knew their skill set and they practiced it and they worked really hard at it. And then when it came game time, those skills really shined. And so um, I would say that I would say that work ethic is probably the biggest one. And then I would say having the, the understanding of like what you're good at and what role you play on the team. Yeah, so you bring up, you know, the first thing you mentioned there is work ethic with a lot of those players you just named. And that kind of leads me into my next question is, uh, is off-ice off training or off-season training? And I know that's, that's kind of a big part of what you do in the off-seasons with some of the players you work with. And can you look back at your career and talk about um, your, some of your thoughts on becoming faster, stronger, more explosive in the off-seasons, whether it's what you did during the off-seasons or looking back like what you maybe wish you would have done or what you've, you are – working with players now to do yeah so I am lucky that I don't have any I don't have any regrets with the way that I trained I was lucky to train at a place in Scottsdale called Exos uh, that was a very big facility that a lot of it's the number one facility for training NFL athletes and I was lucky that I got to train there for six years and so all of my foundation for like how I train now and how I train myself or how I train any athletes that come in and I work with are with those same four pillars that Exos has, which were uh, training, recovery, nutrition, and mindset. And so I think that those four pillars really take me throughout the day-to-day -day of my whole life, of how I'm training, of how I'm living. Uh, I try to stay really active. I try to make sure I'm recovering. I think recovery is a thing that a lot of players really don't emphasize enough. Uh, and then obviously, as you touched on, like the mindset and uh, the work ethic, those are big as well. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into just that mindset a little bit more, if you don't mind just cause I mean, you have a hockey background with, with your dad being a GM. Um, and then I know, you know, players like Austin Matthews and just some elite level players that it obviously takes a certain way of thinking to, to get there. And so what is, what does your mindset need to be in order to, to play at those levels? Um, I think you have to be okay with, I think you have to be okay with making mistakes and having the confidence that you're, you're going to either figure it out or get it right. And that there's going to be road bumps along the way. I think that all of these guys that are like super elite, they all have that, that passion mixed with that, like just knowing in their heart that they're elite and they believe it. And so the little day-to-day -day things that they mess up, whether it's like a missing something in practice, a pass or, you know, an empty net or whatever, or even in a game messing up on something, whether you blow like a coverage or whether you don't score when you should, 
it doesn't get them down. They keep their head up and they keep, they keep going on to the next thing. They don't let it bring them down because they know who they are for. And so I think that like, that's one character trait that all these elite guys have is like, they, they have that mindset that's like almost like a killer mentality of like, they're going to be the best or they're going to do their best. And whether it's one day or the next, it's going to work out for them. Yeah. That's such a fascinating concept to me because it's, you know, there's such a difference between confidence and overconfidence and, and arrogance versus being prepared and looking at things in a positive way versus a negative way. And I think there's so much, you know, light being shed on, on how powerful that is nowadays. Um, Cause I look back at when I was a player and I like, I can't even remember talking about that with a coach or a trainer ever, you know, back in the the nineties and early two thousands versus the stuff you see, um, totally. whether it's you, people like you putting it out there, I think it's great that that's becoming a, a skill set that's getting more attention. Um, and I think it's, it's benefiting a lot of players and coaches. Um, what, uh, let me switch gears on you here real quick, JT. So one thing I noticed on your, your playing careers that, that sparked some my attention or caught my attention is, you know, you had the opportunity to play internationally for a while. And like, I find that stuff so fascinating. And, and a lot, of, I think a lot of our listeners are, are pretty curious about that too. But can you touch on some of your experiences playing overseas uh, when you decided to leave the States and leave Canada after that? Um, can you just touch on some of those experiences and what some of your takeaways yeah. and takeaways were? Yeah. You know, I had, I would say for, for my, my European experience overall was positive. I would say the, the experience is something that you, that, I'll never forget in my life. Um, was it always great? No, there's definitely ups and downs when playing with in Europe. The one thing about Europe that's different than the U.S. is I think in the U.S. with all pro systems and even major junior, even I would say even USHL and all of the other junior leagues, there's a very – the the difference between the lowest team and the top team isn't too far. There, there might be a, a difference in skill, but in terms of – in terms of the way that the organizations are ran, it's very similar. Whereas in Europe, there isn't really that uh, there isn't really that common thread. Teams can kind of run their organizations the way that they want. So that's where you hear stories in Europe of like some guys going and absolutely loving it, and then some guys going and you hear crazy like horror stories of right. it. It's kind of like a it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get until you get there. And so for me, I think Russia is usually where you hear majority of those horror stories. Uh, I played for the Red Army in Russia, so I I lived in a, a Russian military base, and I lived in a dorm room with two uh, two other guys that were on cots. Uh, all three of us, I was, and I lived in that for about four or five months. And you know, th- when you think about that, you're obviously like, "Wow, that must have been terrible." But like, honestly, for me, it was such a great experience because one, I was so like, I, I got to learn such a different such a different experience in culture of how they lived and how what their priorities were and also like the the relationships i made with those guys with one of the guys that i roomed with is still one of my close friends today i talked to him every month or two this was a kid that's that spoke almost little to no english when i was rooming with him uh and in terms of like playing and stuff the the khl was a great experience and i played a little bit of time in their minors, the minor program, which was the VHL. And that was a great experience as well. I think that I developed a ton. My skills developed a ton because there's much less hitting over there. It's much less more, what much less physical. But I would say as a whole, I would say for anybody that 
wants to, just from an experience standpoint, anybody that's tor getting towards the end of their career or trying to make a leap towards Europe, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, I think, uh, I bet we could talk for hours just about crazy international stories and, and exactly what you touched on, the experience of it. I mean, every, everyone I have an opportunity to talk with that plays overseas, I've rarely heard anyone say they regret it. And I think you're exactly right for kind of the, the experience of it, and whether it's at the end of your career or whenever the kind of those serious, like aspirational making career playing days maybe are, are looking like they're coming to an end. That's an opportunity to keep playing for a couple of years and, and see a different part of the world and open, open up the eyes. And like you said, make some uh, network, you know, can keep networking, make some friends overseas. And, you know, in my experience, I've done a little bit of coaching overseas and it's exactly what you just touched on. I mean, there's some things that you just never expect. And um, I love that. Where, where's your favorite place to play? Uh, North America or, or Europe. Uh, yeah, both. I gotta say Kelowna. Kelowna, like the, just the, I played a lot of places. I mean, I was a bit of a suitcase. I played in a ton of different organizations. I would say the city that I loved the most was Kelowna because just the, the, from a, from an organization standpoint and from just a city standpoint, I think a lot of leagues, you get one or the other, you get like a great organization, but it's in a terrible city or you get like a terrible organization, but it's in a big city. Uh, I think oh. Kelowna is like a perfect mix of both of those. So I, I got to say Kelowna. What about the, yeah, yeah I, I, I could see, I could see that being a good spot. What about uh, overseas and your couple, couple spots you stopped? Any ones that sticks out? You're like, that was a great place. I'm glad. Moscow is really nice. Moscow is a very nice city. If you, if you're in the right parts of it, it's beautiful. It's like New York. It's very, a lot of areas are very Americanized. Uh, yeah. I mean, beautiful like i was only there I, I didn't get to see the summer there but i could only imagine how nice it would be in the summer so moscow would be another one yeah and so you you've been to a few different places and the cool part is hockey's brought you there and you've you're able to take on these experiences and learn a ton and so now we we want to jump into the the time where we just talk about advice and we'd love to start with just any advice that you have for youth hockey players that are starting up that you know, want to make it to the WHL or college hockey or where, I mean, wherever they live and make it to the OHL or USHL. And what kind of advice do you have for those young hockey players out there? I would say first and foremost, as much as this is cliche, you have to have fun because it, at a certain point it becomes a lot, lot harder to make it to the next level unless you're enjoying what you're doing. So I would say the first thing is like, Really, you got to really make sure you're having fun with what you're doing. And that doesn't mean you're having fun 24-7. There's going to be times where, it, where things just suck and, like, practice is hard or, and, like, you guys lost and coach is not happy. And, you know, that's, that's part of it. But, like, on the grand scheme of things, like, on a Mac, big, big picture level, you got to keep having fun. Uh, the second thing I would say is, is make sure you're working hard. Because again, again, there's if you're not working hard, there's going to be somebody that's next to you that will work hard and will have fun doing it. And so, if you want to get to the, there's not one person that's in the NHL right now that didn't work hard to get there. Um, those would be the two big things that I would say to, for anybody listening. Make sure you're hitting on those two things, and then I'm sure there's tons of others that we could dive into. Yeah, yeah, there is. Maybe we'll have to have you back on just to talk about some things, but. How do you, as a youth coach now, do you have any advice for youth coaches and just a way to 
um, like make sure the kids are having fun and make sure the way or, and make sure that they are working hard. How do you, how do you do that? And what kind of advice would you have for those youth coaches? Uh, I have the, I try to have them take really good looks at themselves and be like, is this something I really enjoy? Or is this something that my parents are having me do because they want me to go far in? And so I think that the kids, as much as they're young, I think that there, there, there has to be an element of like self-awareness or an awareness of a parent to be like, how much does my, is my kid enjoying this? Like, is he doing this because I want him to do it? Or for the kids, if I'm skating with them, like if I see that they're, they'd look like they're absolutely not interested at all, just like having conversations with them of like, what's going on, man? Like what, you don't seem to be like you're present here. You don't seem like you're really caring. Like, is, is this something you want to be doing? Maybe you're better at, maybe you'll enjoy baseball more. Maybe you want to yeah. be doing something that's not hockey. So I think that's one thing. And then working hard is like, I think you got to find the balance of like hard and fun. And I think like most coaches that are good, they find they, they're able to find that balance of like being able to push the guys and communicate with them when they do need to like really work hard and grind, but also being able to like throw in those times where they are having fun and like they are able to like play some games and like work on like things that are fun, like dangles and like skill stuff. So finding that right balance. Yeah. I think right, right at the end there, you touched on the the games part. I think that, you know, the big thing I'm seeing in youth hockey these days is there's more and more incorporation of small area games and practices for skill development, you know, as a, a platform for skill development that the players are still loving. And I think, uh, you know, I think, I think that's, that's fostering a love for the game because you're going to practice and you're actually playing. And I, so I think you touched on that with the coaches of letting the, them play the games and enjoy it a little bit more. So a hundred percent, that was probably the, Towards the end of my career, when we were skating, we would do a lot, lot, lot less uh, things in practice that weren't purely based around creativity. Because you look at the way that the game is going now, and there's just there's just not a lot of room for people that got for guys that can't make plays and can't be creative, and just how much more room there is for guys that are smaller or creative or can make plays and can move. And so I think like in practice, having those times, whether it's the small area games or like different creative drills that allow for guys to like really, you know, come up with different moves and come up with different like stick handles or dangles, whatever, uh, allow for, for guys to be more creative in game. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. I think it's a good, a good development and I think it should keep, keep growing, keeping the kids involved. Let's, uh, you know, let's switch, switch gears here. We, we open up questions from the the listeners on instagram before you know before we we go into a talk and you know we were given a bunch of questions from people that they were interested in what your thoughts were so let's jump into the mailbag and, and answer a couple of those if you're up for it um our first one came from instagram at cole underscore gill 78 it says who was your biggest inspiration growing up in the hockey world uh that's tough uh i would say obviously I was very grateful to have my dad as Wayne Gretzky's agent. And so I would say Wayne probably played the most uh, of a role in my development of me wanting to be a hockey player. But really, I, I, think, my, I think my favorite player growing up was Yarmir Yager. Yeah, my dad was Yager's agent and I got to spend some time with him. And every time that I skated with him or saw him or watched him play, just the way that he was creative and skilled and powerful was very very uh that it just made me want to play so much more and play like him 
But then I think on a practical level, I think the person that really affected me the most was in Phoenix. I got to watch Shane Doan play a lot. And Shane is somebody that I played similar to. And so I would say Shane Doan was probably the most like actual impact on my day-to-day game was, was Shane. So I think uh, you just made Vinny's day by saying uh, our producer Vinny is, is a huge Pens fan. So I think uh, he, I'm watching the video. He's pretty excited nice. that you mentioned Yager. So um, yeah, I mean, how cool is that? That guy's un- unreal. Just the way he trains and the way he played is such a dynamic player. Totally. Um, what about, you know, I, you talk a lot about mindset. What a, so this question comes from uh, Instagram as well, at not.maria. Favorite books you've read recently or ones that you have the, had the biggest impact on your thinking about the world? Um, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss is good. I like Tim Ferriss a lot. Uh, I, re- I would say I'm reading a book right now, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's another good book. Um, right now I'm reading a book by uh, the guy who started IMG. That's called What They Didn't Teach You at Harvard Law School. That's one of, that I'm really enjoying right now. But I, my books go all over the place. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I kind of like try to mix them up a little bit. And uh, I think I've read a couple of the ones you just mentioned. I think those are good ones. Um, this one comes from at Jacqueline Peters 3. says, this, we kind of touched on this already with the international hockey, but I'm thinking about moving to Australia to play hockey. Want to know your experience living in Russia and abroad. But here's the question. Was it worth it? What are the biggest challenges? Any recommendation, do's and don'ts? Well, first off, Jacqueline, hello. I hope you and uh, Pavel are well because I know Jacqueline. Uh, and I would say, I would say Australia is going to be a lot different than Russia. So that would be my first thing is that I would say Australia will probably be a lot more easygoing. Uh, but I, w- I, again, like I said, Europe is, it's highly recommended for me. Like I think anybody just purely for the experience, whether experience is good or bad, it'll still be experience that you'll then, you'll appreciate eventually. So I would say for anybody that wants to go over to Europe, I would highly recommend it. And Australia or even New Zealand, I know that they both have leaks now too. I would recommend those too, because I've heard really good things about both. Yeah, I think that that experience of just going overseas would always be something worth doing. Um, I think this might be our last one here unless cameras got some more in the bag, but uh, from John William Douglas, what was it like playing hockey for a Chinese food restaurant? I'm not even sure what that means, but I just wanted to, uh, (laughs) Oh, is that what he means? Yeah. Oh, Uh, okay. (laughs) Honestly, we ordered PF Chang's like, I want to say two weeks ago and it was the first time I've been back to that restaurant since we played, but literally like we used to go when we traveled, we would literally go eat team meals at PF Chang's. It was hilarious. Yeah. I would say it was a great, it was a great perk to have. I I thought it was the best. Uh, And I know one of the, one of the goalies was uh, like the CFO or something of PF Chang's um, Matt Federico. And so, yeah, whenever, whenever we went on the road, it was unbelievable. We just got, catered into pf chang's and so i didn't put that together but yeah playing for a chinese food restaurant was probably the highlight of my career to be honest (laughs) unlimited lettuce wraps huh just huge yeah it's the best (laughs) great awesome well jt let's uh let's switch gears here i want to i want to move into what you've got going on now with uh with triple deke if you could touch on on your kind of new venture and um what you're doing with triple deke and, and give us a heads up on what, what you've got going there. 
Cool. So uh, Triple Deke is a socially native hockey media company. So it'll be strictly for social media. Uh, and it's really a platform where I think, let me rewind. In hockey, I think that there is a tendency for personalities to not be able to be shown. I think that the, the, the concept of the team first mentality ha- is, is taken by everybody as they're not being allowed to be any individuals or any personalities. And I think that for me, my opinion on that is that there's room for both. I think that there's an opportunity for people to be individualistic and also to care for the team and put the team first. Uh, if you look at sports like NBA and NFL, there's players like LeBron James who have whole other personalities outside of the, outside of the court whether they have their own personal business, they have their own brands, they have their own shoe deals, all of that. But they also really care about the team and they show up and they play for the team and they want to be, you know, part of the guys and all of that. And so I think that that's something that is missing within hockey. I think that that hockey doesn't really showcase the personalities enough. And so I wanted to get into the media side of things because I really want to help push that in hockey and push that envelope towards NBA and NFL where they're, where they do uh, market and care about the personalities of players outside of just their on ice abilities. And I think that it'll get more fans involved and get more people to care about the sport and get more players to really be more household names than they are right now. So that's what I want to do. It's basically uh, right now it's an Instagram at triple Deke and uh, it's, I'm going to be pushing to move it into other platforms like TikTok, but It'll basically be like highlights and entertainment and memes and content with, with guys and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's good stuff. And, and the idea of just having that brand and that identity uh, seems to be something that, that you've just been crushing and helping people out with. And so the big thing on the podcast is we just, we want to leave the game better than we found it. So you're definitely, you're definitely a part of that. And that's why we asked you to be on and, and, now, now we'll move into just any kind of final thoughts you have on anything that you want to talk or people should know, or I guess anything, final thoughts, what do you got for us? No, I think it's, uh, I think it's been great. I appreciate you guys having me. And for anybody listening, uh, that is growing up and playing, I think that, uh, no matter where you're at right now, you have the opportunity to get to the next level and to get to the professional ranks. You just got to put in the work. You just got to have fun and stick with it and good things will happen for you. So I appreciate you guys having me a ton. Yeah. I think you're, I mean, you hit the head on that one with just like the idea of like everybody has the ability, just putting the work and it'll happen. So um, yeah, before, before we let you go and say our goodbyes, we always ask our, our guests to just give us a nice, let's go. If you got let's one for go! us. <laughs> <laughs> love it that might be up there on the wall of fame or the mount rushmore let's go so Fired up. we it. appreciate you um thanks for coming on and, and we'll, we'll be in touch soon but thank you very much yeah, thanks, thanks guys for having me appreciate it son awesome awesome thank you jt for coming on we we appreciate your time we know that time is so valuable and you came on and you gave us a ton of, of good advice and takeaways and different ideas and i guarantee if you listen to this episode there's something for you to take away and so let's jump into our three stars of the night coach what do you got for us 
Three stars of the night. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me is obviously, I'm, you know, I love international hockey. And so talking to a guy that's had the opportunity to play, you know, an American player that had the opportunity to play in Canada and then overseas in Russia. And I know we didn't talk about it, but he had a quick stop in Sweden and then he played in France. Uh, so, but, you know, but what he kept talking about when he was talking about the international thing, that's my third star tonight. It's, it's the experience. And I think that that the love of the game, um, and the experience are tied together and, and hockey is such a great game that it can bring you all literally all over the world if you, if you want it to. And, and, and there are lots of new, new and exciting experiences that help shape who you are. Uh, and like he mentioned, shaping you know, some of his best friendships. I mean, I, I could go and talk to the guy for hours about what it was like sleeping on a cot in a military base in Moscow, Russia while playing and okay. making friendships over there, right? Like that's the most fascinating thing in the world to me. So for me, it's, it's all about the experience. That's my third star. Um, and I think he said, and I think he even didn't mean to cut you off, but he even talked about how, you know, one of his best friends that he still keeps in contact with was one of the guys in that tiny little dorm room that barely spoke English. So yeah. you're right. I mean, hockey's the best. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot more to the game than just putting pucks in the net. And I think the experience of being able to play and, and meet new people and develop new friendships and learn about new cultures is, is for me is a fascinating part of the game. Um, second star of the night you know, he touched on mindset. Uh, I thought it was super interesting talking about how he trained for six years with Exos and their, um, you know, mindset is one of their four pillars that is critical in, in player development in hockey and other sports. Um, and I know that JT's a real big believer in the, in the power of, of proper mindset. And he touched on it with some of the, his friends and, and uh, teammates that have made it to the, to the top levels and what, how they have a, you know, a really strict mindset of, of building positivity and, and development in their game. And I think that that's a skill that uh, is necessary for players to reach the next level and coaches for that matter too, but whatever level they're at, they've got to have that mindset to, to get them ready to make that jump to the next level. Uh, so for me, that, that, that importance of mindset is the second star of the night. Heater, what do you have for the first star? First star of the night would have to be just, honestly, his maturity and his decision-making. And, you know, uh, I grew up with him. I was always on the team a little bit older of that Chinese food restaurant, P.F. Chang's. Um, and, you know, when that decision came out that he was making the jump to the WHL at such a young age, like at the time I had no idea. I was like, what do you mean he's going to WHL? And, and now finally to get that story, it, it's cool because he had a mature answer and he talked about the decision-making and that what was right for him isn't going to be right for everybody. And, there's, there's a million different paths to pro hockey and to the NHL. And just because he made the jump as a 15-year-old to the WHL doesn't mean you need to. And just because you don't make that jump doesn't mean you're not on the track to go play pro hockey or play in the NHL. It just means that you're taking a different path. And so it, it's cool. And now that he's helping his younger brother figure that stuff out and um, you know, he came on today and the people listening, it's going to help them figure it out. And that's what this is all about. Just the idea of that, uh, people helping people and hockey players helping hockey players. And so, um, first star of the night just goes out to decision-making and, and being mature and making sure that the path you're doing is because it's the path that you feel because of your support group is the right path for you. Not because so-and-so did it or she went that way or he went that way. And so, it was awesome. Um, first star of the night. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, make sure you go and check out his stuff on Triple Deke. That that account's rocking and rolling right now, and it's got a lot of traction. So make sure you check it out. And anything that helps build hockey, I'm a huge fan of. And so 
check that out and make sure that you are staying safe and healthy out there. Cameron, what do you got for us left here? Yeah, I think that about covers it. The one thing that the first start of the night, you know, I think his individualism ties into exactly what he's doing now. And he's talking about his new triple D brand, trying to highlight the individual you know, personalities of players out there in the league. And I think, I think that's a common thread through his playing career and now post playing days. So I think that's pretty cool that um, he knows who he is and he knows what he's doing. And so it's fun to talk to the guy, you know, JT's an interesting guy. I, I had a blast talking with him, but with that, I think that uh, anybody listening, if you've enjoyed it, like I said at the beginning, give it a like, give it a subscribe, share it to your teammates and, and friends and, uh, and we'll keep building, building, building. So heater, you got a, you got a, you got a good, let's go for us to get out of here. Let's go. Hype man, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Woo. And that is another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Fantastic interview with JT Barnett. Thank you so much to JT for coming on. Danny and Pete always doing a great job with the interviews. And I'm just here making sure it sounds good. Hopefully it does. If you want to learn more about JT, scroll down. All of his links will be below for social media, his websites. The guy's everywhere. So you're going to want to give him a follow. Go check him out. We want to remind our listeners to support our sponsors, HockeyWolf.com. Make sure you're supporting Hockey Wolf. Go visit their website today, Hockey and Lacrosse. That's HockeyWolf.com. Thank you so much to them. And finally, Gel Stick Sports. Gel Sticks are weighted training aids for hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They are two and a half times heavier than standard sticks or shafts, meaning you'll maximize every training session with a Gel Sticks. So visit their website. That's G-E-L-S-T-X.com because we've teamed up with them to give you 20% off your next order. Visit the website and use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. You'll get 20% off anything you order in the store. So visit them today and get yourself a gel stick and start training different. And that's going to do it for another week of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. Thank you for listening. If you haven't hit subscribe already, please make sure you do so because we love that you guys are out there. Without you, we wouldn't be doing the show. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. 